Welcome to Longview Systems Activate Digital 2018 Spotlight Podcast Series. I'm your host, John Hansen. It's a little bit rowdy here, which is... It is a little bit rowdy. Uh, I'm loving it. Well, the door's open, which is fabulous. Oh, we can bolt it any time. They usually lock me in here. Oh, okay. It's like the ACC. Well, maybe we'll close this door, (laughs) just so we can feel like we're more in a fishbowl. That's right. Now... Let me get back on track. You know what, dude? You just took me right off track. I I'm did. I'm sorry. I'm here. sorry. That, that's that's not my job. So You're now. the professional. <laughs> okay, professional uh. persona. Let's go. Much different than the first one this morning, right, Dave? <laughs> a little bit. Just a bit. Anyway. It is the end we, of the night, huh? With our podcast series, we're talking to some of the thought leaders from the high-tech industry and beyond in Canada, uh, where this country is going with its digital transformation. Not only where we are today but ultimately where we're going to be heading. And I'm pleased to welcome Kevin Pisker from Microsoft, President. Absolutely fantastic to be here. It's great. We've been talking for 20 minutes. We have. He should have had the tape rolling I I thought we were done. That's right. It was over. And thank you for tuning in. It's too bad. The audience missed that scintillating conversation. That's right. That's right. And, of course, Dave Fredrickson. Glad to have you join us again. Always good. The man, the legend. The man, the legend. So now let's start by the – and you know what? I'm going to refer to notes this time because I want to have exact quotes. I don't have any notes. (laughs) <laughs> me, me neither. Yeah, but yeah. I want to be right on the Okay, all right. Listen, I have my address and phone number sewn on the inside of my sleeve in case I get lost. Anyway, a couple of things you said in your article that really stood out to me. Yes. It, this is an exciting time to be in technology. Absolutely. You talked about the breadth of impact that permeates into all areas of our everyday lives. And this third one, which I'm going to start with, by the way. Okay. Digital's great promise. With it, there is an even greater responsibility for business leaders to be champions of digital reinvention. Yes. Now, you may look at that question and say, okay, let's talk about technology and all these things. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to throw something at you on this. Sure. That Go ahead. great responsibility, and we're talking about this. Yep. The growing gap in talent in this country oh, in yes. terms of that. And that article you wrote in the Globe and Mail a couple of years ago yes. uh, was very interesting because it said that gap is forever beginning to widen. And Absolutely. one of the things you said to me, which was interesting, was we need to get women more involved. We need to reach out to them and, and get them interested in STEM and maintain sure. that interest. Sure. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, let's just review here where we're going. A great study by McKinsey on the future of work looks out to 2030. I just shared it on stage, which I think it's a seminal work. It's a phenomenal piece of work that really talks about what will the careers look like for those individuals that are in their 20s and 30s now and those individuals who have yet gone into their education, the education system. And it is incredibly clear that the roles in technology will escalate and grow by a factor of multiples versus pretty much every other sector of the economy. So if we, we, we're seeing that today live uh, across each industry on the private sector and public sector, and it's causing already a gap between the requirements of business and government for technologists and then the skills and capabilities. If we flash forward 10, 15 years down the road, we have a looming crisis for Canada and the success of Canada. So what, what do we do about it, right? It's like, oh, nice to talk about, great stats, fantastic. There is a required determined effort to activate every component of the Canadian society. And I won't go global here, I'll stick with Canada. Mad, passionate Canadian, grew up in Canada. I love this country, I have kids, I want them to have a better life than I had, all that good stuff. 
But we have a fundamental crisis. Right now, the ICTC studies that have been undertaken around information communications is that in the next three years, in this country, we will have 216,000 open roles in technology. So all that says to me is we won't be able to accomplish the digital transformation businesses require. As we look at how do we activate, well, right now across our digital landscape in Canada, less than 10% is the actual population of females in the technology space. If you were at this conference, like many other conferences across Canada, there's a dearth between the actual population of 50-50 and the participation of females in technology. And that goes all the way through to leadership positions, goes to startups, where the vast majority of startups in Canada are started by men, not women. If we look at executive teams, I'm super fortunate at Microsoft, 75% of my executive team is made up of females, but that's not the norm. Less than 10% is what the average is across our industry. So there's a lot we can do here and a lot we have to do to change the paradigm of thought. See, now I want to expand that, but Dave, yeah. does that surprise you? I mean, you know, looking at, at where Longview is growing and from, you know, sitting around the table, nine individuals, one day we'll have 100 employees, you now have 1,100 employees. How do you see that evolving with what, what Kevin just said? Yeah, and before you even go there, you recall today at the session, Robert Wong, CIO for Toronto Hydro, right, when Abby was up from Communitech, he actually posed that exact challenging question. His daughters are just about to go to university. He really wants to convince them to go into, uh, into role, into, into programs that could lead into technology, and they're not really interested in it. And so I think there's things that we need to be doing in the feeder system back in the school to actually make those changes, to be able to make it, you know, to make it more appealing for them. So at Longview, you know, so first off, we really do have a big focus around diversity, and you have to hire the right person in the right job, but diversity is something that's very, very important to us. Um, and as we grow, our whole mission statement is healthy lives and prosperous careers. Well, the only way we get prosperous careers is if we grow as an organization. So growth is really important for us. And then trying to bring on a workforce that's actually younger that you can develop. So the development programs and development uh, things that we have in place. We have something called Career Life Plan at, at Longview. Um, and these are all key instruments in terms of our ability to be able to take somebody at entry level, even in service desk, for example, and then lead them through the organization into a consultant, hopefully around cloud security, big data, uh, you know, artificial intelligence. See, now when you talk about digital reinvention, a yeah. lot of people automate, oh, digital reinvention. Well, that's technology, we've got to adopt this. Sure. But really what you're focusing on is you're saying, wait, that great responsibility is really getting the right people and putting them in place to make that technology. Look, we've talked a couple times throughout the day where we said we have to look beyond the technology to the people aspect of this. Absolutely. I mean, that, and that really speaks to the heart of, of, of something you seem very, or are very passionate I, about. I, I'm passionate about it because, you know, there are some big, big things happening in Canada. And uh, one of them is just with our federal government alone. You look at the federal government, the average age of a server is six years old. That's not good. But the CIO, the chief technologist of the government have made a stated a statement of full movement to the cloud. Now that's great, what does that mean? That means the first round of contracts that they just landed are $200 million. 
the next, as we approach the end of the year, will be another approximate $800 million. It's a billion dollars of cloud to ensure that our government is able to be flexible, scalable, and adaptable at driving programs and initiatives for the citizenry. But underneath that is a fundamental supply challenge because the members of the government technology force need a fundamental reskilling. If we look at the partner communities and the great resource that Dave has, it's phenomenal, but it's not enough. Right. As we go across the ecosystem, the capabilities are just not there. So I think it starts in a few ways. Number one, it starts with the kids. I got kids school age, you have kids school age. Minister Baines, after much prodding and recommendations from the entire partner community, from vendors like Microsoft, they recently announced an initiative for $50 million uh, called CanCode to activate digital skills within our schools. Great, fantastic first step. Organizations like Microsoft are running schools programs for in, in our stores uh, for people to come in and have free access to coding, free access to digital skills. We run programs with DigiGirls, etc. And we drive that very much all the way through the ecosystem into uh, a very deliberate motion around our hiring practices, our promotion practices, our internal mentorship and sponsorship and training and development to ensure that we have a more balanced platform across the ecosystem well, and show leadership. Well, you see, that's interesting. We talked about this earlier, and you mentioned in your article, Harvard Business Review saying that leaders in incumbent companies, which yes. you talk about, let's say, traditional companies, aren't embracing digital. How much of a barrier is that, Dave, to the fact of this talent shortage we're talking about and understanding that? Because, you know, are we not just talking about millennials coming in and driving that change, but we're also talking about millennial women coming into the picture as well. I mean, is that the way to, I guess, bridge that disconnect? Or isn't it fair to say it's an obstacle? Well, I mean, it, it, first off, right now it's a war for talent. Uh, it, it's today, uh, we would, if we could find more highly skilled uh, business, uh, you know, business intelligence, um, Azure or cloud skills, if we could find more security skills, we'd hire them right away. So we have open racks open today. Now the other trick though is you've got to develop the people, right, as we go through it. Mm -hmm. And so I talked, touched on that earlier. That's really, really important that you've got to actually put people through a program and a structure and develop them. It's great to see that Microsoft's stepping up and doing this. I think we all have to, to encourage and, and make it actually interesting that our kids actually want to go and take these take on these roles, right? And again, that starts to getting down into the schools earlier, trying to show the art of the possible. Like really cool stuff that we yeah. can actually be doing. That's right. But they need to be, like they need to see it. So somehow or another, we need to be able to get into the educational system and actually share you know, the cool roles or the cool positions they could have years from now. And that's, to me, that's what the government's gotta be a part of as well, it's this ecosystem. Okay. If, if I may be a bit provocative, I don't know what your Please. stats are. There, my, my understanding, there's 900,000, close to a million people in our industry, in the information technology yep. communications industry, yep. somewhere in that number out of Canada. If we think about the skill set of the 900,000, a million Canadians who are involved in technology, there is a required reskilling of technologists themselves. The idea where the best skill you have is 
hooking up a server or attaching a server to storage or networking and monitoring real time what's going on within that environment and applying patches. All of that is being automated and being made redundant. And so I hate to say it, a bit provocative. No, it's but not at all. It's, it's an actual reality. So what's cool though is the individuals that have already undertaken this amazing career in technology in this country have the aptitude, the capability set. They just have to be provided and an incentive, meaning a kick in the backside, <laughs> to go and change the foundational skills they have. And I tell you, right now, I know when we are hiring, we have open roles. I'm sure Dave has open roles. The industry, as I said, currently has 100,000 plus open roles, but they are not for the skills of the old, they're for the skills of the new. So now let's look at it from a client perspective, engagement, because you know your success is based upon greater collaboration sure. now with end clients. What about those organizations that, let's say, aren't as progressive? Now, you know, we have statistics show that unlike any other time, yep. there's four generations employed at yes. one time in the same organization. Very fair. Millennials up to boomers all the way and everything in between. Is, is it safe to say that it's the older generational shifting out rather than adapting that's going to pave the way to, to, to that kind of thought process? Because I know that's a loaded question, right? And, I mean, when you're working with organizations like that, do you now, you know, there's the old mindset way back when, you'll probably yep. say, win the business first, worry about making it work later on. That doesn't apply anymore today, does it? So yes. do you have to carefully choose the right clients with whom you're working as well? Well, uh, so first off, there is a, in major organizations, there are a lot of companies that are right now really freaking out over the fact that they have large employee bases that are going to go in retirement. Because when they leave, all of a sudden, they haven't been as fast to get off a mainframe, right, to do the things that they remember were doing those? a long time yeah. ago. They're oh, still around. Believe it or not, they're and still listen, around. I remember the days it's of amazing, CPM but they're and still the there. Remember so, CPMs? No. So, you know, and then there's talk about, oh, I'll bring them back under contract afterwards. So that's one issue that's at the one end of the scale. And then the other issue really is is getting people out of the roles. Like, first off, most organizations are saying, I no longer want to be in the server patching business. I no longer want to be monitoring network uh, pieces. So we're trying to provide a set of taking enabled skills from Microsoft and then building in our own managed services to be able to go and take over those redundant roles that frankly aren't really interesting, don't add a lot of value to the core of what the company's doing. Absolutely. And let, so unleash those people to go and develop. So again, I, I would say lots of lobbying we still need to do government to try and actually to put some money into the system to train people up for that next generation set of skill sets that's right now needed. Uh, yeah, oh. we, we've been ju just ending that point. In the industry, <laughs> I've been in it for 28 years, we have been talking for a long time with customers about that old 80-20 paradigm of 80% managing the existing infrastructure and wouldn't it be awesome if we had 20% managing innovation and shifting the way the organization conducts its operations or and engages its customers. Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, in some cases, as Dave mentioned, there's a requirement to shift fundamentally because the skill set of running the 80% is not going to be there. They are retiring, that technology is redundant, etc. And 
as you guys have probably seen in this industry, out of 28 years, I've never seen a tsunami-like moment as what we have right now of the combined combination of hyperscale compute, of internet of things, meaning of billions and billions of sensors creating phenomenal amounts of data and the skills and capabilities around agile software development to utilize that data in a fundamentally different way, providing that access to every single company on the planet because you don't have to spend a hundred million dollars to build a data center. You can fire it up full scale out of, out of, out of the gates. But okay, now isn't that obsolescence that you're talking about, the retiring generation? Let's yes. look at that. Yes. I mean, the whole premise behind the internet of things is that it's to free you up to focus, move away from those mundane tasks yes. and free you up to be more strategic Yeehaw. in your thinking. So we've got it, we've got it, there you go. I mean, so ultimately it's gonna happen anyway, right? I go mean, team. you know, let's face it, getting yeah. pushed out the door because if IoT does what it's supposed to do, yeah. you're not gonna need all those positions and you're gonna need people who are more strategic things. So it's getting much, much more, uh, a smaller pie of focus of saying, okay, we're gonna put that, robotic process automation. We're seeing it a lot within industries sure. such as insurance and finance. You don't yeah. need as many people, but you need the right people. I yes. mean, this goes back to a, to a CPO roundtable on procurement where they had CPOs from all around the world saying, I'll take one strategic thinker over 10 everyday common buyers. Very so good. we're moving towards that realm. So let me ask you this, is part of that problem of bridging that gap of job requirements is that the jobs are changing and tra transitioning so much so that now you need more strategic thinkers? I, 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 I mean, I'll, am I off base on that? No, no, you're, you're spot on. And I'll raise it up just a touch if I can and then come back to that, which is, as I go across the country, and I'm super fortunate in my role at Microsoft to get access uh, to CIOs, CFOs, and really crucially, CEOs. Engaging with CEOs across this country is a much different dialogue when we're talking about technology than it was even two years ago. There is a full and complete understanding at the CEO level at the board level of digital disruption. They read it all the time. McKinsey, their advisor, and Boston Consulting Group, and Bain Consulting are all advising them. They are freaking out and trying to figure out what it is. A CEO of a, a major bank, one of our major banks, the bank's been in existence in this country for longer than the country's been in existence, literally said to me, hey, Kevin, we are not a bank. We are a technology company that delivers financial services. Now, that is a blow your mind statement for him to even make. Is it being executed that way? Well, you're seeing these major financial institutions in Canada start up incubators, buy artificial intelligence firms, hiring PhD data scientists because they're trying to build this skill set or capability of fundamentally stepping outside of their comfort zone. So bringing it back to the essence of your question of, is it because the skill sets don't reside within the firms? They don't at the moment, but there's a, uh, th this even puts more pressure on the supply side. There's a fundamental driver within those firms to want to change and change fast. Again, they're not going to do it 
from an organic motion. They need partners like Longview. They need vendors like Microsoft. They need procurement officers who are thinking differently about what the true end game outcome is. And they need CEOs who have not buried the CIO and CIO somewhere deep in the organization, but that that chief information officer is a true business partner engaged at a around a senior executive level table to help advise the business units on what the art of the possible is. It's a fundamental shift. Now, you see, what's interesting, a few years ago, CIO Magazine said, did a survey, and they said, we've got to change our title from CIO to be more encompassing. We've got to get out of the office. We've got to go shake hands, you know, almost like a politician, yeah. shake hands, kiss babies, and get in, infiltrate. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes, good I do. ones have been you, doing you that for a long time, by the way. What's that? I said good CIOs have been getting have out, meeting with clients. The best in this country are amazing. For a long time, amazing. have been very engaged. And, and by the way, this paradigm shift is absolutely right now at our forefront. Uh, and again, good organizations are stepping up. Some are actually creating these digital divisions, if you want to call it. Uh, I referred to a few of them earlier on the stage this morning. And uh, because they're saying, look, I want to create a startup mentality and I'm worried that in my current legacy environment that they're going to be encumbered. And so let's spin it out yep. that way. Yep. Um, so change is afoot, it's happening. Uh, and again, we need to work at multiple levels to try and ensure that we encourage that. Incent it through government incentives, right? In terms of training credits and things like that to get put in place, tax policies. I'd say that there's a broad opportunity for the Canadian government to work with industry and to work with organizations to be able and education to try and make some significant impact and change. Now I'm going to ask a question, but I want to go this road for I'm going to talk the difference between public and private sector in a moment. Sure. But one of the things that you mentioned, Kevin, at the top of the discussion, and you concurred, is as an organizations, Microsoft and Longview System. Your role is changing because you, you first of all have to walk the talk of what you're saying. Yes. But now your relationship with the customer is changing dramatically, isn't Absolutely. it? Where you're actually leading and guiding them through this change. Fair what right. talent is needed. It's no longer this abdication of responsibility. Okay, we'll give it to them. You know the old days, no one ever got fired yes. for buying IBM, yep. built with suspenders. Those days are gone. You're going in there actively saying, look, we're, we're analyzing how you're doing business. There may be the technology, but we've got to be a full physician. I don't know if that's the right term, but you know what I mean it, by it, that? It absolutely is. And uh, as we think about the role of Microsoft, and I know Dave and Longview are right there with us, you know, selling something that isn't fully utilized, and more importantly, utilized correctly to provide that fundamental value of promise is really a waste of time. And so there, the shift within Microsoft over the last few years has been this innate drive to focus on helping our customers consume technology. And by engaging in that dialogue, we've seen a shift in the response from our customers about what role they want us to fundamentally play. And so I know as if we think of uh, what Longview's doing, Longview recently had a large group of multidisciplinary industry customers at our briefing center in Redmond. And the dialogue there wasn't about a product or an implementation of X or Y. It was about business processes and being very intentful around how can we drive a differentiated outcome in a section of the business process. 
because let's face it, not every organization is going to have the the resources of a big five bank or a big three uh, multinational insurance company. When it comes to smaller entities and mid-sized entities, which make up the lifeblood of our economy, the dissection of what part of the process or customer engagement can be done differently has to be incredibly intentful. And that strategic decision has to be one where their eyes are open and they receive the right, to your point, consult, uh, information, dialogue, whiteboarding sessions, pilot programs, step through, etc., which Longview's uh, been developing and is executing across country. So from yeah, that quick, quick wins, by the way. So like organizations are looking for quick wins. The other sh- fundamental shift and change has been in the traditional what was called outsource. There's no longer organizations are done with giving up the keys and having somebody else go out and run their pieces. Well, look, so what look, we're sorry finding to interrupt. is look what happened with Bell slices, Canada. They repatriated their call center right. back to Canada. Is that what you're talking well, about? Well, I'm saying pretty much any large outsourced organization you look at or in the process of coming due their term are looking at how can I slice this thing off, get back the core assets and core pieces that I need to own and run, and then how do I outtask? the specific things that, frankly, I don't want to be in business for. And so that's one of the core things that we're really going to market um, with, right? And, again, working closely with Microsoft on that front. Uh, Because organizations, you know what, number one, life of a CIO still is not that long. So they need to make some very quick wins as they start to get engaged. And, again, especially a mid-market client, they can't, you know, they don't have the money or the resources to take a flyer on the whole organization. But we take one part of it. We try to figure out how can we, you know, implement something around, for example, Power BI to create some actionable insights through the data that they've got in a more effective way than they're doing today, and not writing a check for millions of dollars to do it. If, if I may, yeah. for those members of your audience that might be listening that are in the process or have a role of providing technology to customers, there's a real, a real responsibility here of uh, the days when you show up, you open up your price book, and you have a list of services, and you go, yeah, do you want A, B, or C? You should stop work right now, go get another job, be in a different career. The role that we have as technologists is to go into a customer environment, work diligently to understand what's going on within that customer's environment as a partner, and then challenge them with what the art of the possible is, but challenge them around how to scale and scope appropriately the next step in the engagement. Uh, Time and time again, I'll have discussions or I'll be in meetings and the projects end up being so big, you just know that's three years, it's not gonna happen. And then all of a sudden, the organization goes, well, digital transformation doesn't work. Innovation doesn't work. Why are we spending any money or effort on this? That is just fundamentally wrong. So as an industry, we have a responsibility to being deliberate and making it real and practical and having a strategic intent and being a challenger in the engagement with the customer. Well, now you see, I've got to ask this going, and we had the interview with the mayor of Guelph today, and we talked about Guelph's success. Uh, and is it scalable? Are we at the point of scalability, Dave? And what I mean is, 
is successes with clients, you got to have the perfect storm of interest, intent, capability. They've got to have the right people and the complexity that you referred to, the talent gap, absence of women in there. I mean, are we at that earlier stage where we're just getting started, but we're not quite at the stage where we can say it's a scalable model yet? Do you know what I mean by oh, that? Well, yeah, yeah. But I will say that organizations right now are very interested. So they are. They're open. So all of a sudden, but by the way, they're open with people who understand them, who actually spend the time to know what business they're in, Absolutely. what challenges and what business outcomes they need. The last thing they need is somebody kind of, you know, coming in with flyers, throwing a whole bunch of stuff at them and then expect, oh, okay, I'll take this, that, or I'll do this. You need to be able to go in with a consultative way, really understand what a client's trying to achieve, and then bring in the appropriate things that they believe. And again, as Kevin mentioned, challenge them. Right? Organizations want to be challenged. CIOs want to be challenged. Right? So that's encouraging. See, and I remember a book I was reading by Andy Cruz called Relationships First, The New Paradigm in Contracting. And it talks about complex relationships. And I think that's what you're going to. You can't just go there and say, here's a menu. Pick this, this, and this, and then we'll take it over no. because they have to be active participants in that, right? Customers are incredibly well informed. Okay. They are. The access to information is ubiquitous. I think uh, I've, I've literally said this in front of my technology team and in front of my customer engagement teams. If you walk in to a customer's office or you are showing a presentation and what you've shown and dialogued with that customer, they could easily read on a website, through watching various channels, you have fundamentally failed, and quite frankly, you're, you're, you're not gonna be long for my company. So they're more informed and less intimidated by technology. But don't today. waste my yeah. time. Yeah, right. we don't wanna waste customers' time. What's the value of that? That's, I, I mean, it, this goes down to, you know, you talk about skills. The amount of training and investment that I know Dave does with his entire Longview team that we at Microsoft do is phenomenal because clearly we need to be a step ahead of the average uh, firm out there. Otherwise, what value do we add? We're redundant. And so our targeting of hiring the best, hiring the best PhD data scientists that we can find, hiring the best machine learning algorithm that we can find, algorithm uh, generator that we can find, hiring individuals who can truly understand what it means to take a customer from an antiquated legacy infrastructure onto the cloud and then apply platform cognitive services to it, the best that we can find. Because if we don't, we just don't add value. So let, let's go here. Now, in terms of public and private sector, is the approach the same, Dave? And then I'll ask you this question, Kevin. Uh -oh. I mean, like, and it's a loaded question, I know that, but if you look at, at the makeup and the dynamic, Yeah. You, no, no, so no, no, it's, no, no. You're saying, thank goodness it, I asked Dave first. Uh, yeah, yeah, my it, goodness. So it, it's not. It's, it's not the same. Uh, I, um, I mean, by the way, even working for a private company, I know it's not having worked for a public company. It's even different between private. That's true. Public. Big call. Versus public sector. Right. right? Okay. So, um, but it, it is fundamentally different uh, in, a, in a very significant way would be my, my comment. There's all kinds of different bureaucracies you still have to deal with in the public sector, unfortunately. And um, I was out west and met with some, some people who were incredibly frustrated because they want to drive digital transformation, but they're, they're encumbered by all kinds of bureaucratic steps that are required to get there, right? 
Um, and anyway, so that's absolutely the case. Yeah, I, I think one, one component of it, which you go, well, what is it? Is it the skills? I think the skills, they're, they're tremendously talented people. You look at the province of Ontario with, what, eight or 10,000 technology people running some incredible projects, tremendously talented people. The surprising component of what holds back government a little bit more than the private sector is actually the challenge of procurement. And the, if you think of procurement, it's really, really easy to write a, an RFP document that asks for a widget, doesn't matter what widget it is, that has certain components in it of varying powers and capabilities, and then compares that widget of a minimum standard to another and another and another of minimum standards and looks for the best price. That's pretty easy to do. Well, well, it really I, is. I got to interrupt on that. Yeah. You know, it's just interesting. I, I, a few years ago, I interviewed the chief, uh, chief of staff okay. for Governor Cuomo. Yes. And he made this statement about procurement saying that 95% of all contract winners are decided before the RFP is issued. <laughs> and and what he was saying in terms of that is is you win no no exactly. no comment no 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 that but sounds wait, 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 no. fishy no, no, please, no, please no, finish no, your but, statement but interesting when, when I did the interview and talked to Judy Brad who's yes. a Canadian who works out of Washington she said okay. let me let me frame that in proper context the reason why they're decided is that the relationship begins before the RFP is issued and that it's like you don't show up to a marathon race on the day of the race and expect right. to run in and win it. So what you have to legitimately do is not fall into the trap of saying, oh, I get an RFP, I'm just going to respond to it, and oh, it's going to give me a chance. That's what fair. I'm going to do is do my homework, get engaged, ask questions before the RFP is issued to get yes. involved in that process. Now, does that make it a little bit more comfortable to respond to? That does, but and what I'll say, uh, what I've seen in practical sense is what I just dialogued on uh, is you know, the provision and, and, and application and procurement of various components of technology, the government and their procurement processes and companies as well have had to transform because we're seeing a blurring of individual piece parts to components that are interconnected together. And we're seeing a blurring of how uh, provisions such as cloud services become much more difficult to write into an RFP as minimum standards. And so to your point, there has been a better dialogue by governments, which is why we're starting to see various tenders and other processes happen, of literally going back and forth with RFQs, requests for question, dialogues back and forth with industry to really shape what the ultimate procurement vehicle will be. So I, I think I think you're right. We're absolutely heading in the right direction, uh, but let's let's face it. Governments are held to a very high standard. They're spending our money, public sector money, uh, public public money, and because of that, they have to be very deliberate in terms of how they are procuring. Companies are as well, but companies can move faster without the same degree of oversight, and therefore can adapt to a changing environment. A bit quicker. That's kind of where I'm going. That's what you said, though. That one billion dollar uh, can. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's right. All right. So, but they don't have the people to do the horses. So it's almost like a, a setup for, uh, for, for failure. No, to a certain degree. Oh, they're they're going to make their way. And by the way, another absolutely. good example is yeah. uh, government of BC recently at least acknowledged that they could accept cloud-based 
technologies such as O365 yep. that all of a sudden, you know, the, the traffic flow down through the privacy concerns are now being addressed. So, like, hey, open up progress being made. But that was a long time lobbying, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. Uh, Without a doubt. Without now, a doesn't doubt. that come full circle to you? Both of you saying you have to become technologists now. You have to be advisors. You have to go into these relationships. Without a doubt. And, and, and really provide added value and knowledge to help them make the right decisions though, right? Absolutely. The skill set is much different from what it was five years ago. Right. And I'm sure it will morph and be different five years from now. Uh, but going, going back to your comment around the government, just to level set, you're right in that cloud is new. Cloud was new for most customers in Canada three years ago. The government had a non-cloud strategy and has recently moved to a cloud strategy from the very top and they're executing. So what is really cool though is seeing the way in which individuals, individual departments transport, environmental affairs, fisheries and oceans, Stats Canada, these departments that just see the potential of undertaking what they do each day and providing value to citizens in a fundamentally enhanced fashion, they are exhilarated. Exactly. And these are the business decision makers. Exactly. So I'm seeing, whenever uh, we host together, uh, we host training sessions, et cetera, the room is packed. And people are, from a government technologist perspective, they are actively sticking up their hands saying, please, can I go to that course? I want to build my skill set. I want to be part of this transformation for Canada. Yeah. So there's that super awesome. The pent up demand. Now. The pent up demand has been huge. It took a long time. It's right? It took the last couple of years, few years, but now all of a sudden, it's the dialogue's opening up. And great individuals, the really smart people who do work in the public sector, get it. Like they they got it a long time ago. Yeah. They're like, okay, but again, policy has to make the way to what already the people who are te the technology front end go. Yes, I don't want to be encumbered. I don't want my career to be based on patching servers. Right? Right. I don't want my career based on value added to deliver to the constituents of the of, So uh, maybe that's the big difference in this technological, the digital revolution, evolution, is the fact it's, it's coming, and either you're, 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 you're going to be ready for it or you're going to get rolled over by it. I mean, it's ultimately that silver, you know the old silver or lead proposition. You either change and adapt your skill sets yep. to become technologists. I've never heard that term before. But to become technologists, otherwise you're going to be left behind. I, uh, I share with CEOs the framework of you either transform or you will be transformed. And you know the McKinsey study that isolates that 84% of business decision makers understand their business will be transformed, which is awesome yet only 50% are actually doing anything about it, which is a massive gap. So this transform or be transformed, it, it has now fully bridged every municipal, provincial, the federal government, small businesses, medium businesses, and the largest enterprises in this country. And as Dave and I sit here as passionate Canadians, you know, when we think about the competitive nature of this planet, I've traveled to over 70 countries, worked on five continents. Other countries want to win. They want to be better than other countries. And we have to be incredibly deliberate 
about what steps we take to prepare our country so that our kids have the kind of future that we really want us to have. And that's have. perhaps what's important between this collaboration. Absolutely. Conferences like Activate yeah. Digital 2018, you become a knowledge source and a guide as much as anything else. I mean, is that the best way to sum it up? We, it's a world stage, right? I mean, the discussions, the dialogue all through the day today is how do we make Canada more competitive, right? How do we as individual people and then individual companies and then governments and then other innovators, how do we all come together to try and create? Because we're in an incredibly exciting, awesome time to be part of IT. I've been in IT for 28 years, almost the same time, exact, exact same time as Kevin. And this is, I've never been more pumped and excited. And I want to get my kids excited. I don't know whether they're going to or not. And I hope that the education system helps them along outside of just listening to the parents because more often than not, they don't want to listen to their parents. They listen to other people. But, uh, no, it's an awesome time. I'm really pumped. Uh, right. Thanks for all the support that Microsoft's given us all through the years. And, uh, well, and, and gentlemen, and you know, Dave Fredrickson and Kevin Piesker, thank you for your thank time. Thank you so much. I, I mean, I could talk for another hour or so, but... <laughs> I think we're we've got more. I think, we've time. Got, I think we've just touched the surface. Yeah. Of how, how, could, how could you not be excited when it's about technology and empowering Canada? How Perfect. could you not be? Well, again, thank you for joining us. I want to remind everybody that this, of course, has been recorded. It'll be made available on the Longview Systems YouTube channel uh, for watching at your convenience, as well as the audio version will be broadcast through my radio show through our studios in New York City. Thank you for tuning into this entire series, and let's. Let's make digital happen in Canada. I love it. Oh, All yeah. right. Awesome. Awesome. Right. And by the way, hi, Oscar. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you.